Welcome everybody to Fear and Loathing in Cinema Podcast. I'm Brian Kluger. The new episode. We're all going to go to the baseball diamond today with the two hosts with the most. The two gentlemen that I want to play baseball professionally with. Preston Barta and Dan Moran. How are you guys doing? Doing great. Excited to talk about this one. It's going to be good. Of course, the movie in Fear and Loathing in Cinema this week is the 1993 summer movie, Rookie of the Year. Mom, come on. I got a game. Henry thinks that he's actually going to play today. Henry Rowengartner had a dream. Rowengartner, get in the right field. Playing in the major leagues. Only one thing I got it. stood in his way. Reality, which starred Thomas Ian Nicholas, Dan Hyeda, Daniel Stern, and Gary Busey before he went crazy. <laughs> and then this movie, for some goddamn reason that doesn't make sense to me, is the only movie Daniel Stern has directed. And it doesn't make sense because this movie is fantastic. We're going to tell you why. This is on Fear and Loathing in Cinema because this movie has a 35% on Rotten Tomatoes. It is a rotten movie, according to a bunch of critics. And we don't know why, but we are going to figure this out. This movie came out July 9th, 1993, midsummer. I was 11 or 12 years old. And this is, you know, right in the height of, I guess, me or probably all three of us in little league. And this was kind of like, okay, Sandlot came out and rookie of the year came out. And it was kind of an instance of, Oh my God, one of us could play for the pros in the MLB. And I remember really excited to go see this movie and seeing it. I just, I loved every bit of it. Uh, I remember just loving it and I still love it today. So Dan, what was your first watch experience with this movie? Um, I know I saw it in the theater. So I definitely saw it that summer. I would have been about eight years old. So as far as I'm concerned, perfect demographic to be seeing this movie. And I really liked it then. I loved it watching it. I watched it with my son and he really enjoyed it. And it's it's a great movie. And you mentioned The Sandlot and other movies. I was saying earlier, they don't make movies like this one. Most of them have to have a dog or an even more ridiculous gimmick than this. And obviously there's a gimmick in this that gets the kid on the Major League Baseball team, but this was about baseball and the team and trying to win and stuff instead of, oh no, the dog catcher is going to take away the dog that can shoot free throws or something silly like that. Like this movie focused on, it's a baseball movie. And and for some reason in my head, whenever I thought of Rookie of the Year, I got it mixed up with Angels in the Outfield and Little Big League, which this movie is nothing like those at all. Right, right, right. Uh, there, there was a an ocean of baseball type movies with kids in some sort of fantasy like sequence or narrative that came out around that time. Preston, do you remember first time watching this? Because I don't know if you were too young when this came out. Uh, what, what, what was your story with this? Yeah, I was definitely too young to see it in theaters, but I did. My parents did go take me to go see Jurassic Park that summer. So <laughs> why, why, uh, so maybe I did see this in theaters, but I don't remember it, but yeah, I was very much a baseball kid growing up. I watched this one quite a bit so much so that it had been a number of years since I've seen it. 
and I put it on for uh, myself and my son last night. And I was, I quoted the whole thing all the way through and still just remember all the special little feelings that I had growing up, especially the relationship between the son and the mom, which hits way harder now as an adult, thinking about the the special moment that happens at the end. So I just think it's a really great movie uh, all around. I think every character has their quirks and little things about them that make them unique and stand apart from the rest of the pack and it's funny you can relate to it on a kid level of wanting to belong to something and 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 maybe you don't have the skill set but you have the mouth you have the passion and and you have friends that kind of challenge you a little bit so it just had a lot of those things that were very authentic to the growing up experience on top of it being a great sports movie that while on one hand breaks the rules of baseball there's quite a few things in here that would not happen in yeah it's, it almost feels like fantasy sci-fi type of thing where there is an element even in kind of its realness that it has to it like is n- pretty much none of this would never happen but it also has like oh wait maybe it's could happen you know we've, we've yeah. we, there is a mark Wahlberg movie that kind of said like hey any average joke can play on a pro team <laughs> i wonder if there were a lot of kids in uh, little league at the time of this when this came out and, and then they try to pull a move in this like like the hidden ball trick and things like that, where they, where you have the whole team huddling around, and then like one of them walks to first base, the first baseman walks to first base with the ball hidden. I don't think you can pull that off and and not get in trouble for it. There's just there's a lot of little things like that that are that are fun. But I'm curious, like how many kids in little league pull moves like that? Were like it happened in rookie of the year? Yeah, that, so, well, why wouldn't it? Why wouldn't I mean, it? Who who hasn't done that? I mean, even playing wiffle ball would be with your family or something, tried the old hidden ball trick. So I'm sure there was a rash. The 1994 Little League Association had to have an all-hands-on-deck meeting to figure out how to stop it. <laughs> how do we do this? How do we do this? And, you, Preston, you bring up an interesting point because I want to go into that about what you said on how every character has its own quirks and peccadilloes uh, because that is so true. You know, watching it, I've watched this movie so many times. We've all watched this movie so many times. And no matter how small the character is, they each have like something they bring to the table. And, you know, even if it's the owner of the team who is just, you know, the first time you meet him, he's like this older guy. He's like Eddie super, ex- yeah, he just super excited. What? Fish, 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 look. A decoder ring. I got it out of the Cracker Jack box. It fits on your finger. Like- and then he turns yeah. around and just yells at the game like, come on, what are we doing? What, what, yeah. Wasted time. It's so great. You know, like it's like the moments in this movie that are like the smallest that really get me. And it's like even like in the first two minutes where you see Henry, the main kid, Thomas Ian Nicholas, playing in his little league game at school or something like that. With jeans. And- with jeans and the he's the one that the coach never wants to put in because he's terrible at baseball and they the coach puts in like this kid who's like the stereotypical Windermere the nerdy you know asthma kid yeah sneezy kid 
and the coach's reaction to seeing this nerdy Windermere kid blowing is just like, Hush! Windermere, Windermere, Hush! Windermere. What's wrong with him? You moron! You imbecile! Time out, um, time out! Rowan Gartner, get in the right field! And then just like, <laughs> that cracks me up. Like, this coach is like, I feel like I was a coach, I would say the same thing. <laughs> he comes off, and it is just, I think every little small character, even the guy who's the janitor in Scrubs who shows up, one of the yeah. players, is great. He's it's, the first baseman. Yeah, he's the first baseman. Trick. Yep, he's wonderful. It's just these little moments that every I like that you brought that up. So Dan, you, I got to ask you about that. Are, do you feel the same way? Do you is there any certain like minor character that really stuck out? And what is your favorite small moment in this? <laughs> My favorite, I mean, I know it's I know it's kind of corny. And I know it's lame, but the guy who tries to um, do all the contract shenanigans who ends up becoming the hot dog salesman or whatever. Oh, Adia. Yeah. Yeah, if you break that down, obviously we could spend a half hour being like, that's so dumb. Oh, blah, blah, blah. But in a kid's movie, it's so perfect. They try to trick him, his family, and the owner's just like, now you're going to sell hot dogs. Like, that was <laughs> that was the punishment, not fraud. There's not a civil suit. They're not, you know, it's just, that's, it It retains, while doing all of the baseball stuff, like, on the field, it retains its kid's mentality throughout to make it lovable and never too heavy and that's just highlighted by as you guys mentioned a bunch of the characters but just little moments like that like we're gonna have a contract dispute but here's how we're gonna handle it we're gonna make him be a hot dog salesman and move on to the next it's just fun it's, it's that sweet. is good that is good uh i guess one of my favorite moments that just showcases pure kind of every type of cinema energy in the genius that Daniel Stern was as a director was when Henry, little Henry went to the locker room for the first time and he has to change. And he looks over to one side and he's looking at the big baseball player and like the, the <laughs> soundtrack, it go like a big trombone and tuba. Whoa. And then he looks over to the right and sees another big baseball player looks down, you know, at, you know, uh, looks him up and down and you hear the same. Woo. And then Henry looks at himself and looks down at his, at his crotch and you hear the, the soundtrack go. <laughs> and it yeah. was just like, uh, it's just a, a sweet, it's, subtle, it's, small penis. Joke. Yeah. A sweet, endearing moment. And with Henry's character, he's just so happy to be there. Even yeah. when at first people kind of treat him like shit, he's just happy. And it's like, what's up guys? Yeah, <laughs> He doesn't let it bother him. And so I like that little moment. What about you? Yeah. For me, I would say it would be John Candy's character, Cliff Murdoch as the announcer. I like the relationship that he has with his kind of like assistant guy who's big fan, Eddie. So there's a, there's a moment when he's announcing I think it's like towards the end of the movie and he's like telling a story like it's just kind of gets into like how announcers sometimes they just have to keep going they have to keep talking and at some point they got to run out of stuff and so there's a point where he's like ah, um and 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 that's another story uh <laughs> where he just like runs out of things to say um and then uh when they're doing the go fair go foul moment toward the end <laughs> Ball. 
things like that. No, so it's great because I feel like that was a good homage to Bob Euchre and the other guy in Major League because that they had that kind of same dynamic. Even with Bob Euchre and John Candy at the beginning of both movies, them being very pessimistic about the season. Even John Candy places a bet against the Cubs. But that's, <laughs> that's, that's such a realistic talk, though, that's in there because if you've listened to the local broadcasts of your favorite teams, they're usually old, washed-up players or former famous players and, or an old man who's been there about 20 years too long, and he's just like, no, this is a lot like in 1981 when we sent that guy out there. That season we went, you know, he just has a story. Like you said, story for everything. They're always going to complain. They always know more than they should. It was, it's a great character. And he, he, John Candy, I mean, he's just, he puts a heart into everything that he does. But he, he was a lovable, great comedic touch. Yeah, and I agree. And I guess the one in the side character that I always love that I still quote today is the, um, the the manager uh who albert, just ever albert hall martin yeah. you run him like a rosenberger wrote you know just never gets the kid's name right and it's just so great and it's like every time he's on screen when he he's he's upset or he's happy it's just so genuine to me it yeah, just it, makes me laugh and, and it's and it, to me it was such a great showing you how nothing has changed because obviously this was in 93 and the and the writers were like nothing's changed if you've seen a college football game with like lee corso trying to name a young player with usually an african-american name or some name he's just he butchers it he'll yeah. he'll miss like five times on national television and you're just like dude just learn how to say it it's, it's nothing wrong <laughs> like that's it's just the thing that's carried on now for this was 93 so that's shit that's 30 years ago <laughs> for 30 years this joke still plays it does. It does. And another um, another great person in this movie, which, of course, we'll get to Brickma in a second. <laughs> but I think one of the great parts of the movie is like the 10 second or maybe one minute long can't or not cameo, but persona is the doctor is the doctor because he has one of the best lines in the movie and his transition and how he feels about henry of like caring about him he's like no 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 after henry hits him he's like no just just go just go (laughs) is so wonderful and the funky butt loving thing I don't know if, I mean, there's a lot of great lines in this movie, but Funky Butt Loving, I don't know who wrote that or if he came up with that, <laughs> but it's like that. That's is, some insight into that doctor. It is. And I mean, like, of course you want, he wants to say like, fucking bitch mother, you know, something like that. But Funky Butt Loving is so good. <laughs> <laughs> and the kid's reaction to it like because it's funny when like george and clark are the his two best friends henry's two best friends and they're just like messing with all the uh stuff in the background and in, in, in the doctor's office and then he's like did he just say funky butt loving <laughs> <laughs> i mean that still cracks us up we're still cracking up about that because it is such a great line but that doctor made an impression for his like one minute of screen time to me yeah so we're 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 doing this movie we're we're talking about how henry gets into the major leagues so do you (laughs) think preston that 
even for you know it being you know more or less a kids movie and it having not like sci-fi but like a fantasy element do you think that uh the writer and daniel stern made it so plausible that it like i believe that it could happen yeah yeah um it's yeah to to think that you would have an accident and then like you get some sort of like temporary superpower um i hope there wasn't a a lot of kids trying to break their arms to to get to get these powers (laughs) yeah it highlights how something can go wrong in your life but yet you can find such beauty within that and also how important it is to still be a kid and still do all those normal kid things and don't let like hey maybe you have a really good talent maybe you are really good at sports but it's also just important for you or maybe you're a famous actor uh child actor it's important for you to grow up and be able to have those human moments so i think there's just a lot of important lessons here and that grounds this movie entirely so you can you can ignore all those little goofy fantasy type of moments and they're not so far fetched it's just like the rules of the game and that sort of thing you can you can bat an eye at that, but it's not so far removed from reality that you can just knock it entirely and chalk it up as in a pure fantasy film. It's, do, you, do you do you agree, Dan? Yeah, yeah. I mean, exactly, exactly what Preston said. There's fantasy elements to it, but at least it was done in a somewhat plausible way that didn't, like I said earlier, like Angels in the Outfield or you know, see like a Shazam or something crazy like that. It's it's uh you know just it's, a weird medical thing. It's and more that, grounded, yeah. Yeah, it's more grounded in its fantasy. Um, so I gotta ask you, Dan, what do you think about the character Brickma with Daniel Stern? Daniel Stern directed, and then he plays this amazing character. This just showed like a range and a side of him. And honestly, I had no idea he directed this movie until we rewatched and I did a little research on it. Like, he is a very talented guy to to direct this movie to have that character in there that's so kind of nuanced and weird fun tough scary not you know everything it was just all all in there together as 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 a character like that and to be directing the movie i don't know how he didn't have a um a bigger career in doing these kinds of things because he really put a lot of that into an essential kids movie and i feel like he elevated it above the competition that's around he did he did he even you know again going back to these little small moments that make it so much fun as you know even when henry gets his cast off and they're going down the escalator you see the kids running down the opposite way and that Mm -hmm. kind of plays in later with the the pubs doing it too because they want to feel that passion again it's those little moments that i think daniel put in there Preston, would you think like that that's um that's daniel stern like we gotta we're bringing this up yeah yeah he you could just tell that he has so much love and passion for the sport but also just being a kid uh, like i was saying earlier like how important it is for you as you're growing up to still be a kid and, and enjoy those childlike things amid this constant pressure to be professional or do this sort of thing. And it's, it's just a lot, it's a lot to take in. And I think this movie handles it really well through having like your villain 
quote unquote villain character through uh, Larry Fish Fisher, and then also Bruce, uh, Bruce Altman's character as Jack Bradfield as uh, his mom's uh, boyfriend who becomes his manager and kind of gets swept up and sees a money opportunity. Um, and then they have like a little confrontation about you need to go to this photo shoot. You're supposed to get picked up. And and then he's like, no, I'm going to go hang out with my friends. Cause you can feel like he's getting that Henry's getting drained by all this. So I, I just feel like Daniel Stern had a good handle on all that. And there's a lot of good shots in here. There's so many good moments and uh, yeah, Brickma, he's just such a joy. Like his little rants that he has, like the one that he has on the airplane when he's talking about conservation, we're talking about conserving resources when he's like, we get so much food when you're out on the road and you got to take, you, you put this in a bag, your, your, your vomit bag and you can heat it up tomorrow morning for breakfast. And so he's just like such a interesting character. So yeah, he he just makes all these small like come and go characters feel like really lived in and people that you want to hang around. And he's so innocent because there's a moment in the movie where he's trying to give uh, Henry the advice to be a baseball player. And he's in a club and he's like, this is the secret to being a baseball player. And these two wonderful looking women come up and yeah. he's like, excuse me. And there's a pinball machine arcade. And yeah. he's like, this is where it's at. And yeah. it's like those little things are even like hot ice. That whole exchange of hot ice probably might be one of the best scenes in like little pieces of dialogue and cinema. Mm -hmm. You heat up the ice cubes. It's the best of both worlds. It's just... You love the guy because he means well, but he's just a bumbling idiot. <laughs> Even when he chokes on the sunflower seeds. sunflower seeds, his reaction to it that takes like 45 seconds is great. <laughs> yeah. Even even though he's a bumbling idiot, he still has that element of, oh, this is an older, an older professional. So there's a little bit of intimidation factor like early on. And just to have those layers is just I don't know. I, I I was shocked watching it now as an adult of how nuanced some of the things that happened really were. So speaking of nuance, did you like the uh, did you like the Wizard of Oz um, reference, which has to be Daniel Stern's favorite movie since he put that in there with the kids going there and say the whole whole horse of a different color verbatim mm -hmm. thing happening i was gonna i was gonna say well obviously the writer or the director is that was just their passion to put it in there because i'm <laughs> like this is a direct rip right am i crazy <laughs> yeah with the door and everything yeah so I, th I thought that was I thought that was sweet. I'm sure that was just like a passion thing like oh we got to put that in you know it's fun so i i enjoyed that so now we've talked we we've got to talk about uh, the man, the myth, the legend, Gary Busey. Uh, this is 1993 Gary Busey. This is before Gary Busey became a meme, became a thing. You know, this is this is pre-crazy Gary Busey from what he's kind of known to now. And he is dynamite in this movie. Like, I love Chet Stedman so much. What, what do you think Gary Busey brings to this role? Everything. He's Gary yeah. Busey. Like, I just... I. Point Break was before this. And so I just picture in my head like, oh, no, he just got fired from the FBI. And here he is. Same haircut, same general like demeanor. Like, I love I loved it. And you're right. This is before he went off the deep end. So his crazy was still charming um, in a sense. Like his 
eccentricities where you were like, oh, okay, he's just an eccentric weirdo. Not, oh man, this guy has seen some really hard days and this is just how he is. It's pretty much like black sheep on. Yeah, (laughs) right. There was still a sweetness to it. I, I, I really liked it. What about you, Preston? Uh, yeah, I would say so too. Uh, he he grounds the movie even more. Like he he steps in to be like this father figure, and he has some like genuine good conversation, genuinely good conversations with Henry, especially when he finds out that he's got has to sit out the rest of the season, and he's going to be released, and that's it. And so he has a talk with him about. Um, like one day your gift's going to be gone and that's it. And it causes you to think about your own mortality a little bit, even as us as um, like film critics and things like I like going to the movies and there's going to be, I hope there's not a day where I'm just like, I can't comprehend this movie anymore. I can't imagine watching everything everywhere all at once when I'm 80 and being able to go like, hell yeah. So um, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. It caused me to think a little bit about that. Um, and I I just like their whole relationship with him kind of stepping up and being this pitching coach. Like he's on his way in uh, Henry and then uh, Chet's on his way out and they're, it's making him feel young and like the way that he laughs with the kids playing on the field afterwards. Um, so there's just like a, again, a lot of good moments like him just saying like, Hey, you want to try this piece of steak? Best Salisbury steak I've ever had. It's just, I, I can't tell you how great just so all these small moments are. I feel like this is what this movie is. It's just a series of great and fantastic small moments. And, and they're endearing as well. They're just, they're just so good. Um, now we have to talk about a little bit about the score of the movie because the score of the movie is actually really good. Th- it's it's excellent and it's done is there's a reason it's done by bill conti who bill conti did rocky rocky 2 rocky 3 he did that did the songs and music for that and you hear a little bit of that in here because it has that fanfare but it also has kind of like that kid feel too like like a march like boy scout-ish right right and it it, all it sounds so good and bill conti just knocked that out of the park because i really it, it added a lot to it um, but even so, with how Preston was saying, the shots are even impressive of like, even when Henry first goes onto the mound in MLB, the shot looking upward towards the manager, like a god, and Henry's so small. It's like, it's like genius stuff. And with the music from Bill Conti with that, it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's like, how did this movie get a 35% on Rotten Tomatoes. How does it have that? How did this movie not get nominated? It's too too well made for a kid's sports movie. (laughs) It's like too good. (laughs) Right? Like maybe that's correct. Maybe he's like, maybe this is too good. Like it's not a by the numbers movie whatsoever. Came in, you know, I had and thinking Angels in the Outfield, Little Big League, but Watching it, I was like, okay, wh- where's the turn? When does this thing go off the rails? Where's the mistake? Where's the thing that gets this below 50% on Rotten Tomatoes? And I was like, I I couldn't find it. I couldn't find why this movie's so reviled. I really couldn't. I was like, this seems like if you know you're going into a kid's, if every single kid's movie that had to do with sports I got to watch was as well-made as this, I would love watching some of the crap I have to watch with my kids. <laughs> Oh, it's mm-hmm. so funny. And did y'all notice who the catcher for the Cubs was? Um, 
So his name was his name in real life is William Earl Brown, and he was Billy Frick in um, this movie. But he's that's also the same guy who played uh, Franks and Beans, and there's something about Mary. (laughs) (laughs) But he's the catcher for the Cubs here. (laughs) I just realized it when I watched it uh, for this show. I'm like, wait. Is that Franks and Beans? <laughs> it was. I had to look it up. And I was like, wow, so many people are in this movie. And even they even got big baseball players to be in this, like um, Bobby Bonilla and Barry Bonds and stuff like that. And I just thought that was wonderful. I love the fact that you noticed it was the guy from so doing remember. the about Mary since he can't show his agent is like, can't show that to anyone. It's like, what else do we know your your client from? And he's like, uh, nothing, nothing. <laughs> yeah, we, we try to erase that in 2023. <laughs> yeah, play that character. Oh, it was so good. So yeah, there there's something about this movie, like even how Daniel Stern has that moment in the movie, like almost any kids movie or any romantic comedy movie, where the characters kind of get in a in a tiff and. Uh, and in here, it's because Henry is wanted in so many aspects. He doesn't have time for his friends, and he they want to do it. And I think it's so genuine, like the feelings on both sides. Mm-hmm. It is. So, yeah, I do want to, uh, in our remaining time, bring up the mom. Uh, oh Mary yes, Lee. she's. I think if I could pick outside of like that '70s show as Kitty as a mom, like she is like the best movie mom ever. Best movie mom ever. Yeah. She, she knows exactly how, what she's doing and how to, um, I mean, so her name is Amy Morton and she's Mary. Uh, she's been at, she was in up in the air. She was in who's afraid of, uh, of Virginia Wolf. She's a great, great actress but her in this movie just like surprising the kids with for the cubs game and that yeah. smile she gives when the kids freak out on the escalator and she turns and you see her smile that's it's like it's so genuine to me that i love it i yeah. would prefer i would prefer the mom from the good son but that's just me Folgers. <laughs> <laughs> oh so good but yeah no uh mary in this movie she's so great she's just so so sweet and charming and she loves the kid and she's a cool mom too like she she doesn't hate anything she wants her the best for her son did she pick a bad potential stepfather boyfriend yes but (laughs) what you gonna do celebrating three-week anniversaries and things like that i was like man who does that i guess somebody who wants to fast track their way to marriage or something i don't know uh i also thought it was interesting this is kind of like a little sidebar for her that very early on when we meet her and she you 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 get a little bit of the breadcrumbs tossed our way with her throwing the underarm of the the sun the body lotion or sun lotion and uh she when she sees henry's two friends george and clark she's like Hi, George. Hi, Clark. And you're like, oh, no. (laughs) That was great. (laughs) I love that, too. Oh, my God. There's so many. There's so that scene, everything. There's like and almost everything could be a side tangent TV show or movie from this film. 
Uh, I also want to make mention to the great series of shots when Henry first goes to bat and they're cutting in between everybody's reaction, even oh with dialogue. God. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. It's just, it's. Oh, speaking of that, when I was watching it last night with my son, uh, cause that, yeah. While they're doing that part. Oh my God. Oh my God. You stupid, you ugly mother. Brother. And then, and then it cuts to God in heaven. God. And then, and, and then uh, my son was like, why did he call why did she call him a stupid mother? He's not a stupid mother. Um so it's just it, it's really funny how how much this movie it's like it's fine you can show this to your kids uh, because because they censor themselves in such interesting ways that only adults would pick up on. It's great. I loved it. You loved it. You loved it. Oh yeah. Rook yeah, Rookie of the Year. This is a movie that's on HBO Max. You can find it on HBO Max. Uh this is one of our favorite movies and it for some reason 30 years later it holds up it they holds don't. up like mm-hmm. there's still something to like we i just found something in it and i've seen this movie a hundred times like the yeah. guy from there's something about mary he's in this movie it's the little moments in rookie of the year and part of me is like please never remake this because it's almost timeless yeah uh but if they did remake it please make it not like Dan said, like with a dog or like, you know, something more far-fetched. Well, the beautiful thing is baseball doesn't change. Yeah. Right. So so this still works. It does still work. It's still so good. So we are Fear and Loathing in Cinema Podcast. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week. Uh, Press and Bart, of course, find him on the Denton Record Chronicle. Find him at freshfiction.tv. Find him on Instagram at Blu-ray Dad and Twitter and YouTube at Press and Barta. Find his reviews and his interviews and our podcast. I'm Brian Kluger and there's Dan Moran. Enjoy. We love you. Thank you. Thank you.